But the more I kept thinking about this, I thought I should survey, because you, know, you start talking to people in, in the back and you hear all the experiences. How many of you have ever rode a subway? Oh, almost everybody. Somebody tell me the most, I don't know, exotic is the wrong word, the longest distance, the furthest subway you've ever, from San Antonio, you've ever gotten on. What's the furthest away you've ever been? Internationally? Berlin. The subway in Berlin. Before, yes, there's another Berlin. Yeah, you have these people. Heather? Korea. Korea, oh yeah. Where everybody gets really close. Yeah, yeah. How many people can we pack on one? Yeah. Anybody else? San Francisco. Oh, Sacramento. But I see, I wrote on one in San Francisco, I think. Didn't there one that goes underneath the, the bay there, too? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of all the places I've been. And I heard another one in London over here. We're going to come to that one in just a second. Oh, let's just stop right there. If you've ever been on a London subway, underground, the tube, those are all the words that they use for that, uh, you might have heard that recording that says, Very good. Some of you have been there or at least seen the movies. Well, play it for me. So you can get an idea. safety warning to mind the gap is to keep you from stepping from the platform into the gap between the platform and the subway car, the, the tube there. That man's voice that you just heard is Oswald Lawrence, who did that for, he was actually an actor. I think he was in a movie, because you know, even movies, I start rabbit-holing and going after a squirrel. I think he was in a movie called The Saint way before, those of you who know Roger Moore is The Saint, or those of you, oh, wait, so I'll stop right there. But his voice was such that he was used as a recording by the uh, transportation folks in London to announce, mind the gap. And when he died in 2005, they continued to use that. And his wife, who named Margaret, who took some, you know, comfort in hearing his voice uh, at the station nearest her house, which is Embarkment. And I know some of the stations because I, I spent three years in England. and We went to London usually from Red Lodge on down, rode the subway on in. Uh, but in any event, uh, she heard his voice until about five years later, she came in and she would just set, go set and listen to her husband say, mind the gap, until that voice was changed to more of a Siri voice, a digitized voice that uh, they had replaced. So she was so upset, she contacted those people who... Uh, did that, you know, the management of the underground there, and said, uh, hey, can I get at least a copy of my husband's voice so I could play it at home? And they did her one better. So what you just heard was the only place you still hear his voice, or at least as of the time of this particular video, um, about two years ago, uh, they were still playing that for her uh, at that embarkment station about a mile away from Buckingham Palace. Now, you say, did his voice ever save anyone? Eh, maybe it Stop some tripped ankles, you know, or, you know, getting snagged and drug along or 
for her, it meant so much. It was a, maybe not a salvific event, but it definitely calmed her heart. And today, when we come back in the Gospel of John, these last few verses of chapter 7, we've been building to this crescendo of the tabernacle, the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, now I said this is really going to be the fifth sermon from a one event that's in chapter 7. We find that the men who were sent out to arrest Jesus came back saying that he speaks like no other man. They had heard the voice of the Messiah, and they would not arrest him. For the Pharisees and other religious majority, they were in conflict with the message and the actions of Jesus. If you remember, if you, all you got to do is go back to, I think it's chapter 5, the whole reason at, at this point, the whole reason that they're really wanting to pursue him, he has healed this man by the pool at Bethesda, and in chapter 5, verse 18, for this reason the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making him equal with God. There was a gap then between what they expected and what they experienced. And we too, in the world in which we live, sometimes what we expect and what we experience is not in harmony. Today we will look, as we title this one, Mind the Gap, I'm going to look at the gap filler, the gap makers, and the gap wafflers. Not Waffle House, I know, I'm looking at John, we could go to Waffle House if you know. Is there a Waffle House in San Antonio? Man, you guys are missing out. Amen, yeah. 24 hours a day. Okay, let me read the text. This is uh, John 7, and we're coming in at verse 45, and we'll read to, eight, to actually chapter 8, verse 1, because I think that's a good connection point. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees, who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted? Has any of the rulers have, I would have said has, has any of the rulers of the, or of the Pharisees believed in him? No. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse upon them. If you could read this in the original language, which I, which I really can't, these guys were foaming at the mouth. They were so mad. You know, have you ever talked to somebody so, so angry they start spitting on you? Because they're so... That's the way they were at this point. A curse be on them. Verse 50. Nicodemus. Remember we called him weeks ago, Nick at night. That's who came to meet Jesus in the middle of the night. Nicodemus who had gone to Jesus earlier, and who was one of their own number, he was a Pharisee, so he's basically in conflict with what verse 48 has said, ask, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he's doing? They replied, are you from Galilee too? In other words, it's kind of like the back country, it's like the sticks, if you will. Look into it, and you'll find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Then each went to his own home, 
But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at this passage that it's easy to skip across, we, it's, it's kind of obscure in some ways that we know the story that the religious leaders of the day were rejecting your son. And there were some, though, who were part of that leadership that recognized who he was. So don't let us miss that. And then also we see people in this text that are just building the schism even larger between you and your creation. Let us as the religious leaders of the day, the, the faithful of yours today, never be a gap maker. Help us, Lord, this day to decide for you, not to waffle whether we're for you or against you, but to say 100% I am for Jesus. In this hour, speak to our hearts. Forgive us, Lord, for the times when we've been waffling or the times we have created divides, even in church or in work or at our home. Let us step across the one who fills the gap, Jesus, who connects us with you. This we pray in his name. Amen. So the first point is gap fillers, and if you've ever been to Lowe's or Home Depot, you can find a number of uh, items that will help you fix a gap. I mean, if you cut wood like I do, you know, they, they say, what, measure twice, cut once. I measure twice. I cut three or four times. You know, if I started with a three-legged stool, it would be leaning until it's on the ground, you know, I mean, until the stool itself. And, and I really think that the people who, my mom and, and sister, after my father died, uh, we, long story, but we, they pulled all the brick off the house because there was a lot of mortar problems, you know, it was starting to sag. So they pulled it all off. And some, some you know, kind of fly-by-night people came in. They put a new roof on, and they, they used, uh, it's not aluminum siding, it's vinyl siding. And, I mean, it really made it look nice. But when I came home and inspected, you know, the sun comes back from wherever I was at the time station. I'm like, Mom, everywhere you look, there's like, that's the caulk, you know, the you know, the gun, the caulk guns, they caulked every crack there was. And sometimes the cracks seemed to be this far apart, so they just filled it up with caulk. I mean, it looked good at a distance, but they were trying to fill the gap. But, but if you look closely, you, you realize they, they really failed. Well, Jesus <clears throat> did not come to cover up your mistakes. He came to restore a relationship with his Father that your sin, my sin, had created. He came to bring us together, not to just fill in, but to be more than a gap filler. He is truly that which brings us together and bonds us together. So these guards were sent out in verse 32, same chapter. The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. In other words, some thought he was the Christ, some didn't know. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Now, the Jewish temple guards were a group of men who were responsible for the safety of the temple and its occupants. They were armed with swords and shields. They were tasked with protecting the temple against any threats. These guards were also responsible for making sure the religious ceremonies and those who entered in were allowed and authorized personnel to do so. Now, his reputation might have already preceded him. If you remember, I think Pierce preached that passage. Didn't you preach the cleansing of the temple in John 2? 
So earlier on in the Gospel of John, Jesus has talked about, hey, you're not going to turn my father's house into some barnyard, and you're not going to be doing all these sales of, you know, indulgencies, if you will. You're selling these, you know, things that people are not truly coming prepared to offer a sacrifice. And he told them, you know, this is the way it is. And he brought out, if you remember, he brought out a whip or made one, and he started kind of turning tables over and was kind of destructive. So I'm wondering if some of these men had that guy in his, their memory already. But remember, these men weren't thugs. These temple guards were not, you know, like hired mercenaries. Most commentators will say that they came from the Levite family. They were trained in the word. They were trained in the practices of the faith. They would know that a Messiah was promised from the Old Testament scriptures. Hmm. When they heard him, their hearts had been touched. He had amazed the crowd with his knowledge. This is all in chapter 7. He had amazed the crowd with his knowledge, even though he didn't have the Ph.D., if you will, in Bible. He had performed miracles. In fact, one of them he did on the Sabbath that I alluded to earlier, and that was the very reason now that they were persecuting him. How ironic to heal a paralyzed or a crippled man would cause Jesus to be at odds with those who t t said that they followed the Father. He had told the religious leaders that they were more involved in judging than they were in loving. Now that was probably pretty hard to hear. Earlier on he said, I offer you living water that will quench your thirst. He was foreshadowing the promise of the Holy Spirit. And people had thought him to be the Christ, and Jesus had not said at this point, no, I'm not him. So obviously, he came knowing his purpose, and as we use this title, Gap Filler, he's more than that, I think, but that's the best one that worked with my mind, the Gap story. Uh, these men come back, and if you go back to the original language, literally they say, no man. Anthropos, that's the Greek word. No man, in other words, implying that no human being has ever spoken like this. I think that's John and his mastery of the language that God has given him to write down for us saying, he's not human, he's divine. No other man has ever spoken like this. He has explained to us who you are, Father. He is the incarnate word and whose every word and deed connects us to the Father. Jesus bridged the gap between the Father and his creation. He is more than a gap filler, but that's, once again, I'll stay with that. So, and it works with this next slide. Maybe you've ever seen this. You ever seen this written on a nap napkin? I credit the navigators. I'm not 100% sure the navigators are the first ones to do this, but that's one of their ones that they use for sharing the gospel. Remember, I don't know, two, three years ago, pre-COVID, we did the three circles as a way, an easy way to write down how you can show, you know, uh, someone who doesn't know who Jesus is. This is one that is so easy. It's off of Romans 6, 23, and you can see the words blocked in there. It's as if you are that stick figure over there, and you're trying to get across this big divide between you and God. And sin is what has caused that. And if you stay on this one side, you, you have death only waiting for you. But Jesus becomes that bridge 
to eternal life. So that's a very easy with one verse. If you've never memorized this one or never thought about writing this one down, you can write this down. On, we don't use bulletins anymore, but you could write this down on the back of your Bible, actually. I, I think, I know I was raised in a generation you never write in your Bible. You never, I, I was. You, know, you didn't write in books in school. You got in trouble for writing in books. So if you wrote in your Bible, and then all of a sudden, I think I'm about high school or college, and I saw people highlighting, a, wow, you know, it blew my mind. So you start writing stuff in the back. And I think one of the first things I did was wrote all the Roman road verses down in the back of the Bible. But in any event, Jesus becomes that bridge between us and the Father. Now, as we think about this, there was this group who wanted to widen the gap, and I call them the gap makers. So let's move to look at the gap makers. They were the chief priests and Pharisees. Look at verses 45 and 47. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees. So I'm identifying who they are. The Sanhedrin, you know, would be made up of both Pharisees and Sadducees. And to get an agreement to send out the temple guard, they would have had to have the whole Sanhedrin approved to do that. So I think it's implied when you say chief priests, Pharisees, and Sadducees. And then in verse 47, you mean he has deceived you also? They, the Pharisees re retorted, have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? No. These men, and I will say they were men at that time, were the most scripturally sharp, spiritually savvy, and piously proper in the land. If you don't believe me, just go find one and ask them. Kind of like some Baptist. Do you know the way? Yeah, 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 I know. Be careful on that cliff. All right. Their opinion of anyone who would follow this boy, this young man from Galilee, is that they got to be mere country folk. They know nothing of the law. Just a bunch of hillbillies. Rednecks. Easy now. Backwoods. From the bayou, sorry, John, you're, you're just easy today. I know you can handle it. You know, it's like nothing good could come out of there. One of Jesus' own first disciples said, can anything good come out of Galilee? So that no wonder when they came back and said, you know, hey, this guy speaks like nobody else has ever spoken to us. What happened? You know, you guys are crazy. He's a Galilean. Unlearned. No prophets come from there. One rabbi of the day said, in fact, he calls these people, you know, they're called people of the land. One rabbi of the day equated that if you had not studied the word formally, in other words, you could know the scripture and you could know the Talmud. The Talmud is the oral, basically, translation or the transfer of the Torah, the law, uh, first five books of the Bible. But if you had not formally studied it, you're that lay person, and I don't like the word lay person, is a negative. You're that of the land. You know, you're that country bumpkin. And there was a rabbi about a generation before Jesus that said, if you didn't even know the Talmud or any of the scriptures, you basically should just go marry off yourself to a cow because any product of yours is an animal. I mean, that's how evil they were or how... I guess condescending they were to people who did not know the word. Hmm. Gap makers. Rather than close the gap, teach the person, reveal them God's love, share with those, they widen the gap. 
These gap makers were saying to the guards in verse 49, hey, they're all a bunch of idiots out there. They're doomed to destruction. That's that kind of word you get from curse. It says they're cursed, doomed to destruction. You see, gap makers cannot hear or see anything but themselves. And especially when it came to Jesus, they only see themselves. They widen the gap between the lost and the Father by their actions. And we need to decide this morning if we are gap makers or following the gap filler. Ask yourself which of these categories you are in, gap maker or gap filler. Do you answer the call of Jesus or do you treat him like spam calls? I don't even know when spam calls, you know, other than I check the phone. It never rings. Are you in tune when God is speaking to you? Do you heed his call? Do you surrender your life to Christ or do you serve only yourself? Do you speak to him only when times are rough and tough? Do you fall on your knees only when you are in pain and pray to the Father through the Son who you have barely acknowledged? And do you share the Lord with others or do you fail to proclaim who he is? I wonder, have we been like the religious leaders that Jesus confronted? We look down our spiritual noses at the lost, the needy, the hungry, the homeless. I've picked on this before, probably because I preach to myself. It is hard when I come to 1604 and Bandera, either coming off 1604, and there is someone out there with a sign. Chick-fil-A gets a lot of them right now in Bandera and Chick-fil-A. Uh, turn off whatever the road is with a sign or, or wanting help. You know, the, the policeman kid in me wants to challenge them. Yeah, I bet they really are just trying to get the dollar out of my pocket. Do we have compassionate hearts? Because when you've understood the gospel, it is to change your heart and it makes you compassionate for others, not judgmental like these Pharisees and religious leaders were. Do we seek those that are struggling? Or do we present to them another gap? Like, well, once you have it all together, you can come to church. I mean, is our church, think about this, is our church actively involved in feeding the hungry? You could say yes. Do, do we actually ha have somebody who wants to help with grief you know, process? We do have Stephen's ministry that we need to probably get the engines turning back on again. Do we have people who are willing to talk with someone who has an addiction problem? Do we have somebody who's willing to talk to somebody who's a single parent? Do we have somebody who's willing to talk to somebody who's going through a divorce? Do we have compassion for even our own congregation? And if you have it there, how much more is going to overflow into the community? Because you can either criticize others or pray for others. You can either point fingers or intercede. Anyone can swing a sledgehammer, but it takes vision, it takes investment to build or repair a building. So are you standing on the gap filler, or are you a gap maker? Or perhaps you're a gap waffler. 
I really looked hard to find a video at this point because that's just how the mind works, but everything came back to Waffle House and I just kept getting hungry every time I watched those. You know what a waffler is, right? Waffler is one person who says something one day and does something different later on that day or says he'll do this or she'll do this, but they do the opposite. Or I like red, I like blue. Here's the ones that came to my mind. I'd like to ask you to go to the prom. And you get all ready to go to the prom. And I'm trying to make this as generic as possible. You know, I mean, Sadie Hawkins, I guess women invite men. In my day, it was the guys who always invited the girls. I guess I wasn't popular enough for a girl to ask me. <laughs> but but let's, say, let's say you got invited, and the next thing you know, you hear that the person who invited you was teased by their friends that you would be a bad prom date, and they changed their mind. They waffled on you. Maybe you're the person who says, you know, I, I, I always pull for the cowboys. And then... When the Cowboys are playing the Packers, they have a camera of you wearing a cheese head. <laughs> Wafflers. The politician who says one thing and then votes for something that he even helped do that was contrary to what he said he wouldn't do. Mm. Remember way back in chapter 3, verse 1? Let me see if I can find that. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, implying others, perhaps other Pharisees. Or at least, you know, you're thinking about this. Church people hang out with church people. Typically, right? Except when they go to Pete's place. I don't know. Nobody knows what that is. Or they're not going to even say Amen. Church people run with church people. Pharisees ran with Pharisees. And he's saying, we, we, plural, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. And in reply, Jesus declared, is that me? I mean, my batteries are dying. I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, here's the guy, Nicodemus. Re-entering in chapter 7, Nick at night. Guy wanting to know about being born again, and now he has a chance to stand up and say, there is one Pharisee that will stand up for Jesus. He doesn't. He waffles back and says, like any other good Baptist, Robert's rule of order. Have you ever been to a Baptist business meeting when there's something going on you don't like? Instead of saying, I'm against that, Robert's Rule of Order. You can't bring that up tonight. There's a business meeting tonight. I don't know enough about Robert's Rule of Order to even call it, but if you don't follow the polity and the practices of that order decorum for a business meeting, sometimes you can get them to stop. And that's what Nicodemus was doing. He's saying, hey, our own laws don't say you can really convict a guy without hearing first what he's done or what he says he's doing, so we need to bring him in and talk to him. So that is a positive about Nicodemus, but how could you go from saying, we know you've done miraculous things, how can you go from saying, what must I do to be born again? How can you go from all this of following him to saying, man, I, I don't know if I want to raise my hand on this guy because somebody might slap me down. The gap maker Pharisees say, are you from Galilee? No prophet comes from there. Funny, they must have not read about Jonah and Nahum, both prophets mentioned 
in the Old Testament that are from the area of Galilee. And what does he do in verse 52? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you'll find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Then each went to his own home. Wow. Why didn't he go after Jesus and follow him to the Mount of Olives? And why do we so many times go home from church and not follow Jesus where he's wanted us to go or wherever he's leading? Gap waffler. Instead of standing up and proclaiming Jesus, he goes home. Instead of remaining silent, he could have cried out. I read an Emerson quote this week, and I was telling Dan and anybody who listened, uh, uh, Pierce was there. I think I, I talked to Cynthia even about it. I, I think I'm going to have to reacquaint myself with Emerson. I did take one class at Harvard. You know, the Air Force, when they sent me to Boston University, I took a class there just so I could say I'd been to Harvard. Barely passed, but I did. Um, and there are Emerson quotes all over because he, he, he pursued his, uh, he got a degree from their divinity school there. And uh, one of his most famous book works is um, about self-reliance. If you, and, I, and this one, I was reading stuff on even this morning because I thought, let me find some more of him. But here's his quote that stuck out to me. It was quoted in an old commentary that I have on my desk. Emerson said, it is easy in the world to live after the world's opinion. It's easy in solitude to live after our own. But the great man is he who in the midst of the crowd keeps with the perfect sweetness the independence of solitude. Cliff Perry paraphrase, it's easy to get in the crowd and do what the crowd is saying do. Crucify him will happen one day. Where the people who believed in Jesus and had followed him would say crucify because everybody else is saying that. And it's easy when you're at home to say, I would never have done that. Peter says, remember, Lord, if they come after you, I will die, you know, trying to defend you. But yet, when the pressure was on and standing by the fire, and that lady said, aren't you one of his? No, no. He, in fact, cursed Jesus to say, I'm not one of his. So the difficult thing is doing the right thing when everybody else wants you to do the wrong thing. It's easy to do what the crowd wants. And easy to say, I would do that when you're at home. But it's hard to do what you say you would do when the crowd is against you. There's only one gap filler, and once again, kind of a failed point on me. I, I don't really want to call Jesus filler. He is that connector. But we often can become gap makers when we pursue our own standards, when we become spiritually condescending. And at sometimes we become these gap, gap wafflers. So today I would ask you, if you do nothing after this message, consider this, you have just added to the gap. If you get moved into action and actually do something, maybe you come on Wednesday night to hand out candy or to tell somebody about Jesus to a bunch of kids that are here, but then you stop the next week from doing anything, you have fall, fell into the gap. Only if you make up your mind today on the gap filler Jesus 
and live for him, then mind the gap because becomes a mantra for you and I. Mind the gap because he is the one who will carry you across the divide. He is the one who will forgive you for your sins. He is the one who will bring us into the presence of God the Father. Mind the gap. Stand with me, please, we pray. Fathers, we come now to a time of invitation in this service. Perhaps we have been wafflers. Perhaps we have been gap makers, or at least we've expanded the gap. Help us to stand firmly upon the words of Jesus, upon the relationship we have established with him. And if there's one today who's never said, I want to accept this bridge that Christ has built for me, we call you to move in our midst and let those feel the release to come and follow you. If there's someone who wants to come to these steps and pray, members of the prayer team are here. They'll be willing to pray with them. Let your Holy Spirit move now, Lord, in a mighty way, for I ask it in Jesus' name.